Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J. Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama, or the G League Scoot Henderson, or stars from Overtime Elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me, as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com, is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin Budo! How you doing, man? I'm great. I cannot wait to pick your brain because since we have last spoken, you have been to two very interesting sporting events. I want to start with what you had teased on Friday's episode which was going to a massive college basketball game over the weekend to watch Alabama play against Houston. And as that turned out, Alabama got a huge victory by going to Houston and getting the win. Uh, tell me about the scene. Give me takeaways. We, we obviously talk tons of NBA on this show, but with you and J. Kyle Mann doing the draft show and uh, Kevin O'College going back to a <laughs> campus, I got to hear about it. 
It was fun. It was a great game. Great atmosphere. Small, like kind of like intimate crowd, right? It's yep. very loud in there. Um, fans are super into it. And like the, the best, the best thing at a sporting event when you're just not rooting for either team is to be part of a crowd where like the home, the home base is exhilarated and it gets crazy loud, game winners, exciting plays, or the other side when they walk out crushed and just totally deflated, which was the case with that game because Houston had a 17 point second half lead i was looking at uber thinking well, okay how am i gonna have time to get to the airport maybe i should leave a little early just to make sure i'm safe no and then they cut it to 15 cut it to 12 to 10 and i'm like okay now i'm staying i'm going straight to the airport i'll be i'll be okay it like i i still can't fathom the comeback alabama had. we don't need to get into the game too much you know because like we're an nba pod here but the guy who stood out the most in that game wasn't brandon miller who is the lottery prospect on Alabama. It wasn't Jairus Walker, a potential lottery prospect on Houston. It was Noah Clowney, a guy, mm. a prospect that a lot of people don't talk about on the Alabama side, a 6'10 freshman who's hard-nosed defender, can shoot threes, and like he might be somebody that could use another year in college before like really establishing himself as a potential first-round prospect, but... He had a hell of a game right out of the jump for Alabama. He was the Brandon Miller really struggled all game long, 0 for 8 from the field until hitting six clutch free throws down the stretch, which is admirable after the horrible game that he had to still make those free throws on the road. Um, but Noah Clowney was the guy who stood out in that game, and it's a name to remember. Uh, if if the season continues going really well for Alabama, I'm sure he'll at least test the draft waters and see what happens. Interestingly enough, I am going to be locked in to watching that team tonight, Tuesday night, because they play Bama? against Memphis. Yeah, uh -huh. Memphis beat Auburn over the weekend and now plays Alabama tonight. And so that's a big game. Uh, I, th I think you it's keep up with Imani Bates at all? After he left Memphis, you keep up with Imani? No, I mean, I see that they lose every game and he scores 20-something points. <laughs> <laughs> I did see. I mean, I, I got yeah. check in to see, right? Like, hey, are yeah. they? How's that team doing? And evidently, the yeah, team he, is awful. The team's terrible. Yeah, me and Jay Kyle Man talked about him like a month ago, and Kyle yeah. Kyle hates him. <laughs> I'm not a big Imani <laughs> fan either. He, he <laughs> plays for himself, doesn't pass the ball. It's it's too bad. He looks Imani Bates looks so great. Remember those old high school videos? Oh yeah, man. He, he looked yep. he looked like the next big thing. Goes to Memphis and you're like, wait a minute here. Yeah, and then they put him back in a situation where he can take every shot he wants to take, and I mean it's his team. I mean it's kind of always that. Unfortunately, that has been the way they have steered him all along the way, which yeah, is of of Imani and the rest of them. You know, he's a fun highlight player. Like if you just if you just like plug if you just plug him into YouTube, still like the Eastern Michigan oh, yeah. highlights. If you want to watch the whole game, you see a lot of lowlights, but the highlights. I mean, he's still he's still Absolutely. a fun player to watch. Um. <laughs> all right. So the so the next one is we were both at games on Monday night. You were at the more interesting, though it was not competitive either. I was at. Uh, Grizzlies Atlanta and Atlanta did not have any of their players. No Trey Young, no Jajante Murray, no John Collins, no anybody. John Morant, Desmond Bain, Stephen Adams were out for the Grizzlies. And so it was probably, Jeez. you know, not a great representation of what a Grizzlies Hawks game should be. You were at Celtics Clippers and 
I got to be honest with you, I was kind of shocked by this outcome just after what had taken place with the Celtics over the weekend against the Warriors. I figured that they would really bounce back. And I think anybody that pulls that box score this morning, the thing that jumps out the most is obviously Kawhi Leonard. And we had talked about, you know, the the premature Kawhi is back when he hit a couple of shots in a game a week ago. That is a box score that would lead me to believe Kawhi is back. So just tell me about being at Staples last night and kind of what you thought about uh, Celtics and Clippers. On the Celtics side of things, like after that, that Warriors game, you know, I caught up with that this morning, actually, because I didn't watch it live on Saturday. That was the day I was traveling back from Houston. Um, but that Warriors game, like you, you, you got to give some credit to the Golden State, you know, with their defense. They constantly changed up their scheme. They went into some random zones out of nowhere. Draymond Green just making calls. We're going zone, and it would just totally mess up the Celtics offense. They were clean on their switches on and off ball. It was, it was probably Golden State's one of their better defensive performances of the season. And, and in that game, and then we saw it again against the Clippers, was the lack of defensive rebounding for the Celtics. I think without Al Horford, in both of these games, and obviously Robert Williams' time lord isn't back yet either, it probably would have looked different if one or both of those guys are active for Boston. So you shouldn't you shouldn't read too much into it. I, I think without them, Celtics also are on the 10th day of an 11-day road trip. They face the Lakers tonight before heading back to Boston. It's a long road trip. You know, they go from Brooklyn to Toronto. And then to California. So I think that's a factor that should be considered when assessing, you know, their offense doesn't seem as crisp. The ball movement's not as good. You know, they're settling for a lot of jumpers, especially Tatum. You can see that from right now. I think maybe they're tired. Um, not excuses for a team that is on a 60-plus win pace. But I think by that Milwaukee game on Christmas, they'll still be on a 60 plus win pace despite losing two in a row. So I'm not... What about the Tatum thing, though? Is that real? Because, look... I'm not reading too much into it. It's not just those. I mean, look, Jimmy Butler flew into town, and next thing you knew, Jason Tatum had a hell of a go against the Miami Heat, who is one of their playoff peers. And then you saw yeah, them then, play then, that... Then he crushes Brooklyn and Toronto, and they, they yeah, beat but those Phoenix aren't their period. Those aren't, those, those, aren't, those aren't teams that we think that of. Well, Brooklyn's pretty good right now. Brooklyn's, but we don't. Th- but we don't think of them. Better. We don't think of them like we do Miami when they're uh, when they got their full roster. We don't think of them like we think of Golden State or maybe even the Clippers. Fair. You know? It's fair for sure. But like, but also like, I think this speaks to. I mean, Tatum was talked about as an MVP candidate. He's not like the leader in the MVP, you know, leaderboard in my opinion. I think it's Giannis. But Tatum's still only twenty four years old. Like he he might be in that MVP conversation, but I don't think it, the expectation still with him should be for him to do this night in night out. Just like with Jalen Brown, he's still a young player, and I think with Tatum, he's still not in his the prime of his career in terms of becoming the most consistent elite level night in night out scorer. He's having more and more of those games, but he's still only twenty four years old. But we were guilty and, of annoyed in him. We were. Because I, I mean, he has about taken, it. We he, about ha- how- he has taken a leap. He has taken a leap. He's in the MVP conversation. But this I don't guy think looked he's like, like one of the some... best players in the league. He and still then, does. Like, but he's a couple but he's bad games up, doesn't change he, that. Well, uh, when they played these best teams and teams yeah, that made it like, hell he, on him, he, that's what we want from our superstars. We want them to show up. And he didn't again that Miami game. 
He didn't I, in I that know, Warriors Butler, game. Butler didn't play that other Miami game, but he also had like almost 50 he against the Heat but, just but, a week. But, that's what I'm saying. Jimmy Butler flew into town, and all of a sudden, this guy became a, a mushroom. Yeah, but it's like one bad, like he's going to have bad games. It happens. I, I'm not going to overreact to a couple bad games by Jason Tatum, who is on an upward trajectory still. I mean, like he's like, you still follow his, you know, number like the stock. It's still going up, 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 up. Just because it has a couple little dips here and there doesn't mean it's not still going up. So I'm not overreacting to Tatum here at the end of a 12 day road trip. Like it's just not. I don't think it's worthy of, of overreacting to. If this is a trend worth noting, we've seen this Celtics team in past years with this tour of Tatum and Brown have a lot of success. Then they hit a wall and they fall back into bad habits. They start settling for shots. So this is a continuation of a long year by year trend. That's worthy of watching, I think. But I think with this upcoming schedule for Boston, they come home. They get some easy, easier games. They face Orlando twice. They get Indiana, Minnesota. I mean, like these aren't obviously easy outs, Indiana, Minnesota. But it's not like they, they they're going to be able to fix themselves. You would think these next couple of weeks before the Christmas Day game on Milwaukee against Milwaukee, which is the true barometer test against the best player in the world in Giannis Antetokounmpo with Chris sure. Middleton, you hope he's able to get back. Like, that's the true barometer here. And also, the Warriors can be, like, when they have their three stars, Clay was awesome on Saturday night. He was so good. Draymond was amazing on defense. Steph is Steph. When they have their guys, they're still a really good team. Just like the Clippers last night, Kawhi Leonard looked like Kawhi Leonard Really, the first time all season, besides that one game-winning jumper he hit, when he didn't look great the whole game, Kawhi looked a lot like himself. He still doesn't have, I think watching him, he still doesn't have the same burst off the dribble. He doesn't have that you know, next gear that he can kick into yet. But in terms of like hitting contested shots, making the right play, drawing the defense, and making the right passes, he looked a lot like Kawhi Leonard. He looked better defensively, I thought. Paul George didn't shoot the ball well, but he's looking better as well. The Clippers are a good team. It's not like they lost to some slobs out there. They lost to the Warriors, who are a finals contender, and the Clippers, who want to be a finals contender if Kawhi is healthy. I I, I wouldn't read too much of it. Again, gave it's us It's not the that context. they lost. It's that they got killed. And their yeah, best player out, Williams out, end of a long road trip. Like it's this, These aren't excuses. They're legitimate factors that go into why regular season games are lost. Okay. I mean, they've played... These... So you disagree. You think you think there's reason for concern with Boston? That, that I just, they might be phonies? I just think that once we... We want to see them against the other teams that we consider teams that are championship level. Or that we think that you're going to be facing in the playoffs. These are like marquee matchups. When you have, obviously... The, the Miami thing when Jimmy Butler flies into town, he says, Boston, I'm on my way. That adds some juice to that. The Golden State was a rematch of the NBA Finals. And, and they're without Andrew Wiggins in that game. They've got some guys down too. And so we wanted that. That's a big stage. That's national TV. Everybody's watching that game. And then last night, they're playing against the Clippers who are going to have Kawhi Leonard in their lineup. A lot of people had that team as a Western Finals slash NBA Finals team. And all I'm saying is they played those three teams and the Miami one was, was certainly closer than the last two. It's not just like 
they played like mega competitive games against those. I just wonder if we are going to look at those and say that are they when they played the the other teams that are their peers. When when we put you up at the very top, when we make you the favorite to win, then I think it's fair to have the expectation that you're going to be at least very competitive against the other teams that we put in that mix. I, I think that's fair too, which is why with those last two games against Golden State and the Clippers, context matters. No Al Horford, no Robert Williams, and tonight they're going to face Anthony Davis and they're probably going to get pounded in the paint once again with AD out there, you would think. They did beat the Grizzlies on the road. You were you were at that game. I was. They it went right Nuggets. down to the wire. The, the, yeah, and they, they've beat up on a lot of, you know, average or below average teams. They have a mixed record against the best of the best in the NBA. That's 100% true. And that's why, like, again, I'm not overreacting. I think the context matters. They've had some great moments. They've had some lower moments. They've had some worrisome moments. Are they the definitive favorite? I don't think so. I think them and Milwaukee are kind of co-favorites right now in the East. I'd put them at the top of the NBA right now, but are they clear favorites over Milwaukee, a team that has proven they can win it all, a team that hasn't had Chris Middleton and is still near the top of the Eastern Conference? No, I don't think so. I think Milwaukee right now, I give them a slight edge over Boston. Granted, it's very close. That's largely factoring in history. Boston has better depth. Like They're better 3-9 to nine than Milwaukee is, but Milwaukee has Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Boston right now, if Horford continues to miss games, he's older right now. If Robert Williams, we'll see if he can stay healthy. What we are seeing with Boston is if they're missing one of these guys or both of these guys as they are now, they are severely limited in the paint. No matter how good Blake Griffin has been when he plays once per week, when you get to rely on Blake every night to be a rim protector, it's not going to work. So this is their weakness that they have an injury-prone center in Time Lord and an older center in Al Horford. It's fragile at that position for Boston when Milwaukee could be their, be their primary competition that they need to get through when they have the most dominant interior player in all of basketball in Giannis. So that is concerning in that sense. But in terms of them losing these games the way they lost them, I'm not reading into it way too much. I think you've got to give credit to the Warriors for what they did defensively, for what they can be when they really are locked in and they flip that switch as they can at this stage of their dynasty. And you have to give credit to the Clippers. Kawhi looked awesome. Paul George is looking better. The team's looking more like themselves, at least when Kawhi when is actually out there. Yeah, does it change your opinion of them? I mean, how much do we just have to wait and see on the Kawhi thing? I mean, it's, yeah. it's interesting because it's so shocking when he becomes like superstar mega efficient Kawhi for one <laughs> night and you're like okay like is this going to be the case because you remember like last time we talked about him and I said you know everybody's saying Kawhi Leonard's back he hit this last second uh you know two point shot under the basket and then he hit the the little step back uh jumper to win the game and then we're like yeah and then he probably won't play next game and in fact, and we, were, we were right about that. Yeah, he didn't yeah, even yeah. play. And it's like, okay. <laughs> they missed multiple games. <laughs> yeah, here, he's back. And then, like, we didn't see him for a week. And then he shows up for this Celtics game, and it's like best version of Kawhi yeah. Leonard. And so, is are we still just really going to do the, we have absolutely no idea? Like, I don't know what to make of it. Like, that's the first time we've seen that Kawhi in forever. 
I, I don't know what to make of it either. But, you know, like I said in passing earlier, I still don't think he has the same burst right now. You know, a lot of the shots he hit were contested, like fadeaways from the post over Jalen Brown. He had, I thought the best shot he hit was against Marcus Smart. He kind of cut into the lane and then he continued after receiving the ball towards the baseline and just hit one of those like Jordan-like fadeaways leaning, you know, towards the, the, the out of bounds. It was, it was a nice shot, but contested. So he had a hot shooting night, but he wasn't creating the easiest shots shots for himself because of the lack of burst and explosiveness. So will we see that version of Kawhi Leonard? I don't know. But maybe Kawhi Leonard is finding ways to make it work given his current circumstances. And he said after the game, you know, he wants to play heavy minutes every night. He wants to play all the time, but he's trusting the doctors and their feedback and all that. So, I mean, that was an interesting comment there from Kawhi Leonard. Um, that stuck out to me about his minutes workload because it's like a lot of confusion about what the deal is there. I mean, is it the team doing this? Is it Kawhi doing this? What information did they not know? But like the exact wording of what he said was, I've been trying to do it since the beginning of the year. It's just about listening to the guys who study this. It's all, it's only my ninth game of the season. That's after a whole ACL tear. Just can't rush it. I wish I could have played more. I mean, not saying a lot, but he but he is saying something there about he's trusting the guys who who study this. Mm. If I told you that that's the Kawhi Leonard they get, they're not going to win the finals. They're they're not going to win the finals. No, you don't. And you you don't think? Do you think that's a West Finals team if if they've got that Kawhi? I mean, like production and results. Yes, because he was ten for twelve from the field, and he was, he <laughs> that, was really maybe good. Not that one, <laughs> but, but, but like but, I'm like, saying, but that version the, the of process, him. yeah. I, I I just don't think he has the same burst right now. No, mm. you thought that was a one night thing. I, I, like, like if you if you go back and watch, like prime Spurs Kawhi, and then prime Raptors Kawhi, and then like the last time we saw Kawhi before he got hurt in that Clippers series against the Jazz. That Kawhi, all of those versions of Kawhi Leonard were quicker off the dribble, more explosive off the bounce, created better separation. This version of Kawhi Leonard seemed like a, a, a what you would imagine late career Kawhi looks like when he still has a banger of a night, and he did. He was awesome last night. He looked more like himself, but there were tough shots. And I think in that sense, how sustainable is that? Will he go back to having some blunder performances? I don't know. I mean, maybe he gets better. He might get better. Uh, he could. Uh, I'm not. You can't rule that out with a player with his the great heights he's reached in the past. Um, but all I know is like the game before against Washington and the I think it was Orlando last week. He didn't look like himself, and right. I even think last night he didn't totally look like himself physically. So I don't want to say I'm pessimistic about it because I love Kawhi, but I'm definitely not optimistic about it. I feel like I'm realistic about it here. He's gonna have great nights, but I'm not sure he's the same guy athletically anymore, and that's where my concern concern is for the Clippers because they need that version of Kawhi Leonard for this team to be anything in the NBA postseason. Yeah, that was a, I mean, no, that was their first, that was easily the most promising thing that Kawhi's done in a very, very oh, long time. No doubt. Did at it's least the best game he had since before he got hurt. Yeah. It's, it's been easily a long the game. best game he had all season long. Easily. It's not even close. I know he had the game winner, but that game wasn't that great. And we didn't even see Easily him the best game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have, it's, it's, like, it's, it's been, literally the best the best game we've seen by Kawhi in over two years. <laughs> That's for sure. And now it's can you stay healthy? 
I mean, they're right now, they're at seventh. Um, they're at seventh, they're five and five in their last 10 games. Obviously, one of those teams you wouldn't necessarily want to see in the play in, but for us, not over two years, more like a year and a half. I'm yeah. mixing up my calendar. Yeah. But it, look, two years, year and a half. It's been a long time. Yeah, we can't remember close, it. Yeah. <laughs> we can't remember when it was. Yeah. That's how long it's been since we talked about him. So they are at, they are at, they are at seventh. In fact, that play in right now is hilarious. It'd be Clippers, Dallas, Golden State, Utah. You want to talk about a parlay? <laughs> I mean, at any point in the season, I would have never in a million years thought that that's the four teams that you're getting. Looking to get more out of this NBA season? Well, now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports perk, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to touchdown scores to under yards. And with the NBA, it's got it all. You can bet on player props with player points, rebounds, assists, and there's exclusive bets like two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes for any player playing on the particular night that you're betting. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Maryland, so make sure you get in on the action with great offers, boosts, and more. So don't miss the chance to get your snow sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code MISMATCH. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. Call 1800GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In Tennessee, call Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Kansas, visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. On our last show, we talked about the middle. We talked about a lot of those teams and what we think they're going to do. So now we're going to do those teams that have been really good so far this year. So we just go down the West one by one. The very top of the Western Conference is your beloved New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> Two massive wins over the weekend against the Phoenix Suns. And uh, those are two teams that met in the playoffs last year. And a uh, little smoke there between oh, those. Oh, that Zion dunk was the coolest thing, Chris. It was so awesome. We need we need more of that genuine, Absolutely. genuine energy, animosity. That's how rivalries are formed. I tweeted about this. The absolute best thing that can happen for fans is that taking place. You want there to be animosity. I, You know, I'm at games every other night, and... You know, the game ends. These guys are playing kissy face. These guys are exchanging their jerseys, <laughs> autographing it for each other. They're taking off their shoes and trading them. They're giving each other hugs, you know, adapting each other up. And everybody's, you know, kumbaya. And I love it where they're yelling at each other as they're walking towards the <laughs> locker room. Like, we need matchups to look forward to. We need teams that hate each other's guts. It's one of the things that has been lost. And those things do develop from playing each other quite a bit, right? It's usually 
emits from playoffs. And it's now almost obsolete. Like in terms of like rivalries and teams that are both really good that really don't like each other where you can go back and you can play these clips of here's different things that have happened uh, throughout time between these two teams. And you kind of got the feisty guys and then you got the thing that upset the Suns and you got the Suns who were always perpetually mad at everything. Like, it was awesome. And let's just take a moment because so much was made of the moment and is that classy? Is that not classy? All that bumpkiss. Wah, 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 wah. The dunk was amazing. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> like, that's a 50. That's a 50 at the dunk contest. <laughs> to see a guy that size spike it like hey, 360, that. 360 and, windmill. <laughs> and spiked it. Yeah. Like, I love it when they throw it straight down. Like, he slammed that thing hard. Yeah. And the crowd's going insane, and the Suns are pissed, and oh, <laughs> so good. Well, and so not to good. mention the hypocrisy, the Suns scoring at the end of some of the games they had previously as well, when the game was well out of hand and they could have ran the clock. It's ridiculous. Everybody but... <laughs> outside of Suns fans finds the Suns annoying. Oh. And every time that they are perpetually aggrieved, it's annoying. Right. Well, they, they're, also, the, they're, also, the, they're the offended. They're the they're the NBA Karens. Well, well, that's a Chris Paul thing. Yeah, that, that's one reason why they were with, with Zion. So I tweeted out the play and I just simply said, I love so much that Zion did this. And I read a lot of my mentions and like the mentions on that. Like you had fans like of like the Nuggets and the Celtics with like little, you know, avatars on Twitter saying this is my favorite play of the season. This is the coolest thing I've seen all year. I love Zion now. There's so much of that, right? Like that I've seen in his replies and quote tweets. It is always Paul teams because those old Clipper teams, people couldn't stand because of Paul. Yeah, yes. But like I'm just saying like in the case of Zion, like Zion said, I thought his response after the game was awesome. He's like, this is a little out of character for me, but my teammates lost to this team last year. Just felt good in the moment and all that. Like Zion. Lean into being this killer, man. Mm. Like, be feared. And I think with him, you know, I reported that story in the Pelicans a month ago. We talked about, you know, you called it a love letter. And I was like, it's not quite a love letter. It's about their upside and some of the concerns that could hold them back. And one of the things we talked about was Zion, A, his health, which remains a concern with his body type and his injury history, but B, his defense. I think defensively the past month, he is still not a good defender. But he has been better than worse than the NBA. Like He's putting in better effort. He's far more active off ball. They have him roaming a lot of the time, active in the passing lanes, causing deflections, helping in the paint. He looks better than I think he ever has defensively in the NBA. Still doesn't seem like the same level that he was at Duke. Um, but also with Duke, it's not like he didn't make mistakes. It's not like he didn't have some, you know, down moments, but effort was always there. I feel like the effort from Zion has been there pretty consistently this past month or so. And for New Orleans, that bodes very well for them when you consider that he's doing that while carrying an incredibly heavy offensive workload with Brandon Ingram out this recently, handling the ball more often, playmaking more often, bringing the ball up to court more often, and obviously like slingshotting towards the rim like he does all the time in the half court. So like he's 
playing a lot on offense while putting in better effort on defense, that's got to bode well for New Orleans long-term this season when you project what they could potentially be in the playoffs. A young team with concerns, like it obviously goes without saying, but Zion being better on defense, that, that, that is a real positive sign for him this year that he's buying into the collective of this group with guys like Alvarado and Najee Marshall all these try-hard players, like th- this is a good thing for them to see Zion playing like that. Well, and the other thing is, it's kind of, in the absence of Ingram, we have gotten this very clear, Zion's that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Zion's that guy, and it needs to survive around Zion. Like, there's always a pecking order with these teams, and Zion needs to be the leading shot taker on that team. And I'm not talking about every single night, right? There's nights that Jalen Brown takes more shots than Jason Tatum. But I'm saying on a regular, like, he's the guy. And then there's Ingram, and then there's McCollum, and then there's the others, right? Like, he is... I agree. He is not only the future of that franchise, he is the present of that franchise. I mean, the guy, as I've said a hundred times, it's a force of nature. I don't know what you do with him. You know, the only thing that I've seen done to him was when Memphis played him a couple weeks ago and Dylan Brooks said, you are not going left. He forced him into probably the worst game of his career, you know, and it was like, I'm, we are going to sit on what you want to get to. Um, but then even that, even in that game, when somebody like Brooks went out of the game, I mean, he just, he would just pummel people on the way to the rim. And good luck. Good luck trying to stay in front of him. He's getting where he wants to go. You know, so he's he's one of the most difficult players in, in the league to deal with. And I think on a game-in, game-out basis, he is, I mean, he's that guy already. One thing I'll say is, like, Zion, Zion's tendencies are to go left, but he can go right and still get to his left hand at the rim. So, like, I think with Zion, maybe this is the adjustment we'll see over the course of the season. He loves to go left. He wants to go left. Everybody knows he wants to go left. LeBron said it early in the season. Like, everybody talks about him wanting to go left. He still dominates you anyway. Well, maybe this is the year as he garners that defensive attention all year long. They start throwing doubles at him. That He starts learning how to get even better at going right where it becomes like a 50-50 split, where he's not going left 75%, 80% of the time. It becomes more of a 50-50 split. And if he's going, he's he's getting that attention, because like Zion could pass the ball, yo. Like, that dude can really playmake for his teammates. So I, I think with them, like, the reason why I've been so bullish on New Orleans since they got McCollum in February is, like, if Zion is healthy, and if he plays like he did prior to his injury... And if Ingram does what he does in in that Phoenix series and has shown he can do throughout his career since he was in L.A., like, they have options. So if Zion is having a night where they're packing the paint and he's just not able to get it going the way that he usually can, if if they're building the wall like they do against Giannis, well, guess what? Giannis has Chris Middleton. Giannis has Drew Holiday those perimeter creators who can help activate him in a different way, running high pick and roll, causing switches and whatnot, right? Zion has those options with Brandon Ingram, who has proven to be an elite isolation scorer, very good pick and roll creator, and CJ McCollum, who's been a bucket getter for years. So they have so many options to be a source of creation, never mind like the the other guys, a Dyson Daniels, 
who can really create for you. You're Jose Alvarado, who had a 30-plus point game recently, and he's like your spark plug guard off the bench. A Larry Nance for dribble handoff actions on the perimeter. They have different Jonas Valanciunas who could be interior or perimeter with DHOs, spot-up threes, pick and pops. They have so many sources of creation. And I think New Orleans is one of those teams where they can throw out five guys on the floor and all of them can initiate your offense for you at a high level. Where it's Zion's the number one guy, like you said, Chris, we're talking about the hierarchy, but he's not the only one. And I think that gives the New Orleans Pelicans a distinct advantage when it comes to playoff matchups, assuming they stay healthy, assuming these young guys can main, maintain production. And I think they can. Uh, I have a lot of belief in this team, and they, they continue to, to improve my confidence in what they can be this season, but especially in the years to come. Interestingly enough, the the team that is right there behind them is the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, you know, I see them all the time. They um, they have not had their starting lineup the entire year. And I think the trick for New Orleans is going to be the same trick for Memphis, which is can you, can Ing- can you get that Zion with Ingram playing and McCollum playing when they have their whole lineup? Like there's some blessing sometimes in not having your whole lineup. Um, and as soon as Memphis got Jaron Jackson Jr. back, they lost Bain. And Bain was averaging 25 points a game. So they've been doing all what they've been doing recently without this guy who's 25 points a game. But we haven't seen Morant, Bain, and Jackson, along with Brooks and Adam. Like, we haven't seen them. Have, have, they, have they had a single minute? Not one not minute. One? Wow. And yeah, how about this, crazy. Kevin? Hmm. Last year, they played a hundred minutes. You didn't see them last year either, except for Isn't like, that wild? The, like when they got into the playoffs. Like yeah. they just have like never the core, lined the core up. Of the team, they've never lined up. You know, um, and so now is that a concern for you? Even though they've won without those guys, you know, like they keep winning. I mean, it would be more of a concern if they had won. You know, uh, they had the second best record in the NBA last year, and they lost Morant for a long span of time. And we and saw kept what Bain was before he got hurt this year. My concern would be Bain. Like, in order to achieve what you want to achieve, he's got to be able to. And so they said, after three or four weeks, they're going to look at, you know, he's ramping up. And if the, quote, toe responds, then he'll be back on the floor, you know, in three to four weeks is what they said. Okay, well, what's the other side of that? If it doesn't respond, I mean, then you're talking a guy that's got to get surgery. And so that's that's the big one that's hanging out there. If Desmond mm. Bain can come back, then watch out. Because they had, I believe, the highest scoring backcourt in the entire NBA with him and Morant. And now they have added Jaron Jackson, who last night, despite the oh, man. rat team I watched them play against, this guy played like less than 25 minutes. He had eight blocks in the game. He is blocking a higher percentage of shots so far this season than any player has in NBA history. He has the highest block percentage in NBA history. He could be the first player in NBA history to block over three shots per game while playing under 30 minutes per game. I mean, I think the number is right now 12.5%, and teams are shooting 12% worse with him on the floor and they're shooting less than 44% from like, at the rim, which is like lower than any level. I mean, he is, he's grown into his body and he's gotten all the timing down. 
And he's amazing. he is just impossible to deal with. He, like, he can block shots with either hand. Oh. Like, he can block shots high at the top of the release point at the rim. He can block shots lower as a player, like it's going up. Kind of like those strips, you know, that are borderline steals or blocks or whatever. Like he, like his hand-eye coordination, dude. <laughs> like it is, it is truly elite. That came along with what, foul trouble. And now foul trouble is not, has not been a thing. Gotten better. Yeah. Gotten better for sure. Right. I think he only and, fouled like, out of you, two games last season. Do you think with Jaron Jackson, why is he still only playing, you know, under 30 minutes per game right now? Is, is he, is he going to be a guy who, but why? That's what they do. Are because they, they win. him for the postseason? No, they just yeah, win. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like Giannis. Giannis, his MVP year, he played 31 minutes a game. Hey, they won. They won all the time. Hey, make no mistake. Taylor Jenkins was on that bench. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Good point. Good point. You see what yeah. Milwaukee does. This is just what and so, they in do. other words, like, it's like you said to me last week Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, he'll take 25 shots. That's right. You. It's hard to assess Miami in the regular season versus Miami in the postseason. Memphis in the regular season plays Jaron Jackson 27 minutes a night. Memphis in the postseason plays Jaron Jackson 37 minutes per night. That, that's basically the yes. way you need to assess them because then you're going to have nights where Steven Adams plays five minutes. Nights where he plays 25 minutes, depending on the matchup, the situation, what your objectives are on the offensive end, if you want to attack the glass, if you need, you know, size on the interior. That's the nice thing about Memphis. Like, if they get all their guys, you can play so many different styles. Like, few teams are better equipped to play small ball with Jaron Jackson at the five. Like, you can play small and you can be versatile and you can switch. But it's not often you can play small in the NBA and maintain rim protection. And Jaron's action junior, like, dude's incredible. I, 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 like, he's one of those players where you, when you watch Grizzlies games, sometimes it's fun just to like lock in your eyeballs on Jaron Jackson on defense. And just watch the way he moves. And he's like a sentry, the way he reads defenses, and then the way he helps and recovers. And his arms, like, I can't get over the way he blocks shots. Either. Eight blocks is crazy, crazy. Yeah. Oh, I have this old picture that I have from the day it was the morning after he got drafted. I had him in studio. You and Tayshawn Prince, former uh, Detroit Pistons great, who is a front office member in Memphis, um, had told me, check out this dude's hands. He said, when we interviewed him at the combine, he goes, I shook this guy's hand and he goes, it swallowed mine. Now, keep in mind, Tayshaun Prince is like 6'9", <laughs> and yeah, is he's a, a big, long, big guy, yeah. lanky guy. So I have this mm -hmm. picture. I put my hand up to Jaron Jackson's hand. Kevin, I'm telling you, my, the top, and I don't have small <laughs> hands, the top of my middle finger comes up <laughs> to where his finger begins on his hand. They are insane. It's like bear paws or something. Huge. Just the I mean, he is an enormous human being. And he's gotten taller, too, since he got drafted. I mean, he's over seven foot tall now. Yeah, yeah, he's, sure. he, he, like you said, he's also grown into his frame. He's yes. stronger. That's and, what a lot the, of those guys do, is, right? I think you're going to look yes, up and you're going to see it, these Mobleys and guys like that. That's what they end up looking like. Yeah. 
like if suddenly overnight they're going to be like they're going to look strong yes. right and, and and i and that's the thing with like you know Victor Wembanyama next year he's skinny now but look yep. at him last year he's much bigger he'll be even bigger next year with Jaron Jackson like the body's improved he's always had the athleticism and the length and the knack, the knack for blocking shots but the block he had in i think the second quarter last night where it was like a, a help situation against a cutter. He was defending a pick and roll, I believe. And there's a pump fake in the paint. Jaron Jackson stayed down. And he didn't fall for the pump fake. And then he leapt after the, the player actually went up for the layup and just swatted the hell out of the ball. And that's like one of those plays where you're like, okay. Bro, he, you have to learning. say the player. Because I swear to God, Kevin, I cover the NBA regularly. I didn't know who any of these. I forget. I, I didn't even <laughs> well, know who these find people who were. One I second. said, "Who the hell is Tyrese Martin?" <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me find the play. What was the I, one I guy's forget. name? Go look at the box score. What's the one guy's name? Kavit or something? It wasn't even. I, I didn't even know who that was. They were playing some wild guys last night for Atlanta. Look it up. Anybody can go look at that box score, and it's like who. I defy you to tell me who some of these people are. I Hey, I drove to the arena. I'm like, yeah, Ja versus Trey. I got Tyus Jones versus Trent Forrest. The block that I was talking about, I just found it. It was against Frank Kaminsky. So people know Frank Kaminsky from his college days. Um, that was a f- block on Kaminsky. But yeah, there was a lot of who he played for. How, fa- how familiar are you with uh, <laughs> Vit Kretschke? Not, not familiar much with at his all, work. Sounds, sounds, sounds like a hockey player. Was he in the draft guide? Vit, Vit yeah, Krejci. Krejci? Krejci. Sounds like Krejci? a hockey player, yeah. Krejci, yeah. There's a Bruins player with that last name. That's why I know how to, you know, oh, Krejci. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a hockey player. You yeah, say Dave, you know David him because he's a Bruins. He thought he didn't play for the Bruins. Yeah, David, David Krejci is a pretty good hockey player. I don't know okay. anything about hockey. Yeah. You don't? No, not really. I know Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci. There you uh, go. Yeah. All yeah, right, Bergeron, so Bergeron's been around for 20 years. He has been around like 20 years. Uh, next one, Denver. Started off kind of uneven, but have gotten going as of recently. It it kind of feels like you know there's been some it's been some Jamal Murray sightings. Uh, Looking better, here and much, there. much, 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 yeah, much, much better. better. And again, one of those teams. That y- you want to see them full force, you know, when they've got this version of Murray along with the best version of Michael Porter Jr., along with some of the stuff that they've added, KCP, Aaron Gordon, and the stuff over over the course of the last couple of years that's been added to the mix. But uh, look, when you when you've got one of the best players in the world, you've got a you, you've got a chance at the ultimate prize, right? When you you get two-time reigning MVP, you want to have the guys around them. They had a rough go there for a minute. They they dropped that game to Atlanta, then they lost at New Orleans, and they turned around. They lost that heartbreaker to Dallas. Um, But, you know, they've gotten kind of back on track. They won the game at Portland last Thursday. Over the weekend, they beat Utah. Don't have a particularly difficult schedule uh, ahead. Feels like they're just kind of holding the fort, you know. Gotten, uh, I like, I like some of the stuff they've added. You know, KCP fits well, Brown fits well, and I just want to see it all together. I mean, I think this is true 
it, it's kind of crazy, and I think it speaks to how well these teams were built, that we're going one, two, three on this, Kev, New Orleans, Memphis, and Denver, and you feel like you haven't seen the best version of any of them. And yet those yeah. are the three teams with the best records. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it, it is pretty wild. Uh, in the in the case of Denver, you know, like you said, Jamal Murray at least getting better, right? You know, he he's showing signs of life. Michael Porter Jr.'s had a good year, I think. You know, he's still missing some time. So you, injury concerns are always going to be there. He's been more competitive on defense. You know, you still like to see him, you know, fit into that offense at a level like Murray Dew and Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon. I mean, those guys are really thriving around Jokic. Um, Porter's passing instincts aren't on the level of some of those guys. So I wonder if maybe he'll be the odd man out at times, despite such a what a flamethrower he is. Maybe he's trade bait. Just throwing that thought out there with Porter. Maybe you can maximize on, on him, you know, being relatively healthy and playing well and being young. Um, but I, I mean, I think with Jokic right now, he is not needed to score as often as he has in, the, in his past two years winning MVP. But we know that guy can turn it up, you know, anytime he needs to. I, I like this Denver team. They seem to be figuring th- some things out. De- DeAndre Jordan coming off the bench is still strange to me. Um, in any other scenario, <laughs> Nikola Jokic averaging 24, 10, and 9 is just freakish. Except yeah. we've just gotten so used to what he is. And, you know, I think they got eight guys, right? That's what you need. And they just got are shallow. They got to keep those eight healthy. They need all eight healthy. But if they've got Jokic, Murray, Gordon, Porter, Bones, KCP Brown, and throw in Jeff Green in there as another one, that gives you eight. And then the other guys can spot here, spot there. But, I mean, you've got your eight. Yeah, I could do without DeAndre Jordan, too. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I mean, he doesn't, he, he doesn't kill him. He doesn't kill him. No. You know? It's also just the regular season. I, I, think, I think that's where the concern will become. We're only in December right now. But it's like we were talking about with Boston earlier. Not, if they don't have Horford or they don't have Robert Williams, they can be a, a, attacked in the paint. With Denver... If you're playing DeAndre Jordan in the postseason, they're going to run pick and roll at him over and over and over again. Michael Porter Jr., if you're rolling him out there in the postseason, they're going to attack him over and over and over and over again. So, and like, same thing with Zion, right? They're going to attack him. They're going to test him in man-to-man defense. They're going to try to exploit him as much as they can over and over again. So for Denver, there are some, you know, minor concerns, but this speaks to the state of the Western Conference, Chris. None of these teams are, are perfect, right? None of them. None of them. Not Denver, not New Orleans, not Memphis. Phoenix obviously isn't. The Warriors aren't. Clippers aren't. Let's None get of to them, them are perfect. Let's get to Phoenix. I mean, they lost those two games yeah. against New Orleans over the weekend, got mad about the Zion dunk. Um, feels like there's a lot of smoke out there about a possible Jay Crowder deal, um, that, that, that something could happen with that. Um, Shams wrote an article yesterday that put out uh, talk uh, covering uh, Crowder and uh, John Collins, both of those, and it said, the Suns recently engaged in three team talks that would have sent Crowder to Milwaukee, four bucks second round draft picks along with players to Houston, and Eric Gordon and or Kenyon Martin Jr. to Phoenix. The holdup 
uh, in the potential deal was that the Rockets are coveting a first-round pick for Gordon and for Martin, a very good first-rounder, not a batch of second-rounders. The Rockets have had interest in Gordon uh, from several contending teams, sources have said, uh, but appear less willing to entertain the topic of Kev- Kenyon Martin Jr. All right, so... I mean, they already have first uh, eight first-round draft picks through 2029. And they've got a bunch of young talent on their team in Jalen Green, Porter Jr., Shengun, Jabari, Tari Eason, Jay Shaw Tate, who they signed in the offseason, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Kenyon Martin Jr. along with them. Uh, did you give up a first-round pick for Eric Gordon? If for Eric Gordon and Kenyon Martin, yes. I think if you're Phoenix, you're in a position right now like you, you are all in, baby. Win now. Right? Your, your point guard's like 38. All in. Yeah. And, and Eric Gordon is still a damn good player. Kenyon Martin, I mean, like that dude's activity on defense, interceptions, deflections, the off ball rotations and recoveries. That, that dude, it, like in a winning situation, I'd love to see it. And, and I think with Eric Gordon, if you had those two guys, to your collective group in Phoenix, they help support your wing defense that you lose without having Crowder. But also with Gordon providing some secondary creation in the event that Chris Paul is either not the same guy or misses time, like we've seen from him so many years in, in their deep postseason runs, where you can have a Gordon Booker backcourt or a Gordon Payne backcourt, and you still have enough creation that you're okay. Right? So I think for Phoenix, that checks both boxes with playmaking depth behind Chris Paul and wing defense to replace Jay Crowder and shooting as well. So uh, for both those guys, yes. But we're still in the early stages right now. It's not December 15th yet. That's coming Thursday. More players will be available to be dealt. But the truth is, it probably won't be until January or February that we see some of these deals shake out unless Phoenix decides just to cough it up now. They might. Well, and well, I mean, they're the ones giving up Crowder. I mean, I think the, the picks were going to be from Milwaukee, right? So I don't know what Milwaukee's willing to give up. And and obviously no. their picks aren't necessarily very desirable when they've got Giannis Antetokounmpo on their team. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're first Phoenix would rounders. have to give up more. And Crowder ending up in Milwaukee would have a lot of P.J. Tucker ending up in Milwaukee energy from a couple of years ago, right? Like just yeah, another, he's no P.J. Tucker, though. Hard nose role player that yeah. can. He's not PJ Tucker though. That, that's the thing. You mean he shoots he's the not ball? Tucker. <laughs> you mean he shoots no, he's the not, ball? He's not as good defensively. He's not as much of a winner. Not as much of a good playmaker. Crowder's I mean, a solid look, Jay, player. Jay Crowder he's, helped he's not, the Phoenix make the finals. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, he's a good player. But like Tucker, Tucker's just like another level defensively. Oh yeah, I, I think you know, and you know, he's, and he's a better passer too. Tucker is like your consummate role player. I'm saying it's the same type of yeah. player. Oh, right? totally agree. Yeah. Just, I think he's, he's going to break Tucker's the record level. for least uh, lowest usage in the history of the NBA by a player. Plays. <laughs> I'm serious. I read that the other day. I know. It's, that he's, it's wild. That he's going to have the lowest usage of any player like that's ever played that many minutes. In the league, saw some stat. With, um, I'll try to find it real quick. His, his stats with and without Harden. I mean, it's a, like absurd. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> like the he? Like, okay, okay. So from uh, and this isn't the tweet that I saw a couple weeks ago, but this is from Derek Bodner. Uh, T. P. J. Tucker's usage with Harden versus without. With Harden, he scores eleven point seven points per one hundred possessions. 
without Harden, that drops to 3.2 points per 100 possessions. So it's like he scores a third of the points. It's like a third of the shot attempts, third of the usage, third of efficiency. So Harden is just the like, one that throws it to the corner to him, huh? Yes, he's the creator for Tucker. It's it's a strange thing. And all he does is shoot corner threes. Yeah. <laughs> right? If he does shoot. Yeah. Oh, this is the one that I saw. Tucker with Harden. 6.2 points per game, 4.1 field goal attempts, 52% from three. Tucker without Harden. 1.7 points per game, 2.3 field goal attempts, 28% from three. That's incredible. <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I know. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. All right, on the Easter Conference, we covered Boston earlier. Milwaukee, I'm actually going to get to see them on Thursday night in oh, person. Nice. And I'm excited to see them. It's always... We'll, we'll talk about that Friday then, for sure. Yeah, that, it's nice. always one yeah. that I'm super excited to see. Sucks that they got Middleton back and then lost Middleton. Yeah. And... That was a that was a rough loss they took to uh to the Rockets a couple of days ago. Jalen Green was Jalen Green yeah. was awesome in that game. Really good win for the Rockets. Yeah. Tough loss for sure uh for the Bucks. And so yeah, as I mentioned, I'm gonna see them uh Thursday. So I'll probably do but we could do uh Bucks on Friday. But they've been one of the best teams in the league. We expected them to be one of the best teams in the league. Another one of those teams that we have not seen full version of. I, I think it's fair. That's one of the things that has stood out is, you know, we talked about so many of those teams in the middle in our last episode. You look, Kev, with these ones that are really good, haven't seen the what we think is the best version of New Orleans, haven't seen the best version of Memphis, haven't seen the best version of Phoenix because they don't have their guys and they lost Cam like virtually immediately. And they were already without Crowder, which is a roster spot for a projected rotation player uh, for them. And then same goes with Denver. Then in the East, have not seen the best version of Boston because they've been without Rob. Though the you know they they will clearly be a different team when they get Williams and when they get Williams and Horford in unison. Milwaukee, we haven't seen the best version of them yet uh, because they have been without uh, Middleton and it's supposed to be back tonight for what it's worth. against yeah. the Warriors supposed to be back. And we've seen more of the best version of Cleveland. I mean, they've had some, you know, they lost Garland for a time. They lost Donovan for a time. But man, when you see Cleveland fully loaded, they could play with anybody, anybody. 
That team is that's and they're a fun watch too. That backcourt is absolutely awesome, and their big guys are awesome. They just need one wing. They need to figure out that three spot. And, you know, they get Rubio healthy, then they got that Rubio love thing that can come off the bench. Like, I like that Cleveland team, man. Can't and, believe they lost to San Antonio, though. And for what it's worth, I did not see that game last night. I didn't. Because uh, I was at, yeah. I thought, that I, was, I I thought it was a misprint when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, so so I can't speak on that game specifically. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll catch up on it eventually because San Antonio winning these games, pop, come on, get on the same page every with your front on ownership. Like, come on, pop. Every once in a while, you got to throw my bone, right? Um, yeah, come on, and, pop. What are you and, doing out there? But yeah, you're right. The Cleveland, Cleveland's are they're they're not the same level of upside in terms of Boston or or Milwaukee. But like they got the pieces for sure. You're right, Chris. They just they just have a missing piece there with Okoro, which is a shame because Okoro, like he does everything else. He defends. He hustles. He's logging transition blocks, and you know, he's a good passer. He cuts. He's a high IQ player. He just can't shoot. But he does everything else that Cleveland could have wanted out of that position, except for shoot the ball which is what makes it so disappointing. But they have everything else you need, even Karis LeVert. You know, I'm not the biggest LeVert fan, but he's a spark plug off the bench. And he's every once in a while, he just wins role. you a game. A hundred percent, right? Where, like, he comes out and he has 30, right? Like, that's the type of guys you want coming off your bench. So I think for... And also, I think with Mobley, you know, he... I don't want to crap on him at all. Yeah, I love Mobley. He's an amazing defensive player. He does a lot of valuable things on offense. I, I want to see that three-point shot develop because I think one of the things I'm worried about with Cleveland is come postseason time. If you got Mobley shooting at 25% from three and Allen is a non-shooter, like there's going to be lineups where they have two or three non-shooters on the floor. And when you consider the way we're taught, we, like one of the themes of our conversation today is about how player tendencies change in the postseason team tendencies change when they're game planning in a playoff series. They are Right now, Mobley is not shooting the ball at a level where he is going to gain the respect of the defense. And they're going to clog the lane, limiting penetration for Garland and Mitchell to accomplish, leading to those kick-out, drive-and-kick opportunities, layups inside, drawing fouls, turning them into a jump shot team. So I think for Cleveland, that's one of the things I'd love to see Mobley like, get better from the perimeter when it comes to scoring the ball. And maybe it's too soon for that. He's still just a kid. He's only in his second year. Uh, but that speaks to their youth as well. Like we talked about with Boston, Tatum's still only 24. Mobley's only 21 years old. He's still just a baby in, in the infancy of his NBA development. And I think that, you know, I think things have changed over the last several years in the sense that we always expected, we talked so many times about like a second year leap with guys. And this is a major change that I have witnessed is that in many cases, guys that I've liked, that the second year people start to fall out of love with somebody that they fell in love with as a rookie, that actually the second year is not the leap year as, as, as often as the third year for the really good ones because what takes place is guys now are playing immediately and they're good immediately. And they kind of like come into the league and nobody knows them and it's a first time through. And they have this really good season 
And then as I always talk about where you are on the chalkboard, now there's a book on, you know, these guys. There's a book on Evan Mobley. There's a book on this guy. There's a book on this guy. And teams know how they want to try to defend these guys by year two. And so year two can be a little more of a struggle for these guys. Then they get to go back and say, all right, nobody's nobody's doing me like that anymore. And then that third year, they become a radically different player because now they've decided, okay, here's, here's what I brought to the table. The league figured that out, or here's now they know how to how to defend me. And so I've got to go back to the lab and add stuff to my game or alter my game to become a different player. And so sometimes year two can be a little bit of a struggle. And look, sure. Mobley, look, look around. You think people think, that, you know, we were, we were going nutso over Mobley. We were going nutso over LaMelo. We were going nutso it, it, over Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, like you, you heard. Scotty Barnes time? has not been good. I yeah. know, but I mean, Scotty Barnes, like, bro, you win Rookie of the Year, you got everybody's attention now. You don't get to operate how you used to operate, right? And so they all play immediately. Now, unfortunately, one of those guys that we don't get to see is Cunningham, who was going to go through it this year. But well, well, um, one, one quick thing yeah. before Cade, like. Mobley's still been really good. Yeah, of course. It, it's it's just it's just about the it's just about the Cavaliers. If they they traded all that stuff for Mitchell, if they are to be a team that competes for the NBA Finals on the level of Boston and Milwaukee, or even some teams that have been through it, like a Philadelphia type, a Brooklyn type, their lack of spacing on offense will be what kills them mm. unless they make changes or unless their younger guys get better. Like you cannot have Mitchell and Garland just have to like pull a rabbit out of the hat, you know, and have these dominant shooting nights, night in, night out. They need to have be a team that can get to the rim with better frequency with perimeter creation or you know, as a result of Mobley being a reliable perimeter threat. Like it, it, it needs to get better or it has to happen with a trade. Um, but right now, I don't think it's enough and they're not anywhere near that same level. But at least these young guards are still playing and like you said, you know, the one guy we're not seeing is Cade. I don't know, man. I think they can play with the... I- I watched both those games against Boston. They were they were there with them. I'm not saying I'm not saying they can't play. Like they're a good team, but like to be a great team, to be an NBA Finals team, they need better spacing, in my opinion. And may, may like I could be wrong about that. They might find their way there somehow. But I would be willing to bet that they will not. They will flame out in the postseason. They will not make the finals unless they improve their spacing and some of their half court offensive issues. When because if Mitchell or Garland or both of them aren't, you know, just on like a beaming from outside, like it's not going to work. They need other ways. Like we talked about this with New Orleans. They have five ways they can beat you and create offense. With Cleveland, they don't have that benefit. It's Mitchell and Garland is the source, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and, they, and then what befells you is what went on in Portland for so long, right? We're so dependent on Lillard and McCollum. So dependent. Yeah, the good um, thing is for Cleveland, at least they have defenders around yeah. Mitchell and Garland, which yeah, Dame right. and CJ didn't. And but, they win with defense and, in many cases. Yeah, no doubt. Like their defense, like it's awesome. Like with some of the lineups, JB Bickerstaff puts out there is like awesome on defense. It's just love can space can the be? floor. 
you know? Yeah. They got they got some guys for yeah. sure. Uh and then they, that they last feel a little one, imbalance. What about Brooklyn? Are we buying this eight and two in the last ten? Yeah, we talked about Brooklyn on Friday. All right. Oh, then um, Cade. But, yeah. Cade, uh, yeah. you had mentioned to me that there was uh NBA chatter that the Cade thing could be worse than just a he's out for a little while thing. And true to form, that chatter was uh was validated. We're not going to see Cade the entire season, and that just absolutely yeah. sucks. I saw yeah, that to a person last week, yeah. and I was like, God, they need Cade Cunningham so bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we said it at a time that that was first you know, reported publicly yeah. that at least like they get a long look at Jaden and Ivy and Killian Hayes and see what you got in those guys, find out who are our keepers, who do we want to build around with Cade, what's missing from this roster, in the long term. And additionally, yes, like it sucks. You don't have Cade Cunningham. You want to see him play. You want to see him get better. But like in the long run, being a little bit worse isn't the worst thing in the world. What's it this? Just isn't. Not this year with Victor Wembenyama's out there. There's a story out from James Edwards who covers the Pistons that floated out there that Sadiq Bay could be available. And I was like, I did not why? see that. Why? Hmm. Interesting. Wouldn't you think he'd fit the young core? You know, I know James people Edwards are gonna very, very, very plugged in. Like he's, people he's are gonna be going after Bogdanovich. People are gonna be going after Bogdanovich. Like we know that, and they say that so you know, Troy said, Weaver uh, is Troy Weaver not interested all that much in in. He loves Bogdanovich. It doesn't really want to move him. So what James Edwards reported was that naturally the Pistons have received calls, and he said based on his conversations. He thinks Bay is gettable, yeah. But he doesn't know what the, the what the right price is. I wonder. I wonder what the right price is. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to look into this on my end too because that that's that's an interesting player because with Sadiq Bay, like obviously he has this 50 point banger last year, right? I and like he's him. Been pretty good. Yeah, he's been pretty good through two years in the NBA. But if the Pistons can get someone to overpay, I don't. I'm I'm not against moving him either. I'm not. He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I'm not sure. Like, is he, he part of your touch? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He's no, not like, an, is he's he not part of your core? No, but is he part of your core? It's like if you're a contending team, mm-hmm. will you overpay me for a good player? Yeah. Right? Who might not be at his upside yet, at his peak, but what am I going to get back? It might be worth it. We'll see. I mean, he definitely was an intriguing player. I had not heard his name. Yeah, I like him. I, I I was yeah. shocked by that. Yeah. I just didn't see it. You know, usually that's the kind of guys that young, you know, young rebuilding teams want to hold on to. Well, or if like if you're a team that's going to be willing to give up a first round pick for, pick for Jay Crowder, maybe you'd rather give up a pick and a little bit more for Sadiq Bay, a young player mm. still on their rookie deal who's already good. I'm just like it, like that's what I mean. If the Pistons are putting him out there as like, hey, he's gettable. I actually think he maybe can they the can needle. get something very nice for him. Don't you? I think he could move. He he could he could be on a good team. He's Same way player. Cam yeah, Johnson like, was on like a good him. team, right? Like I mean, the guy. Yeah, I like that's him. a good parallel. Like like Cam Johnson gets drafted to a winner. Yeah, Sadiq Bay gets drafted to a, a young, you know, rebuilding team. But Sadiq Bay, like Cam Johnson, could contribute in a winning situation for sure. Yeah, I would. Uh, if I'm the thing is, though, is like he he. 
he he also needs to prove it though. Like he like this season, he has not been his same self on defense, and maybe that's because he's a product of his environment on some, as you yeah. say, rat team. <laughs> right. But like he he, I mean, like he also needs to be better himself to prove like, hey, I am a guy worthy of giving up some first round pick for or whatever it might be. That guy, <laughs> that guy could be the glove. He could be Gary Payton. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. I get it. He needs to be better. He he, he does. He he needs to be way better defensively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, the glove, they have renamed uh, not after him, but about, uh, after other players. Um, these trophies <laughs> that they are going to be giving out. Uh, he once uh, considered the best defensive perimeter player in the NBA. Uh, the MVP trophy is not going to be the Michael Jordan trophy. The Defensive Player of the Year trophy is going to be the Jaron Jackson Jr. trophy. That's interesting. Oh, actually, no, the Hakeem Olajuwon trophy. Um, rookie of the Year, Wilt Chamberlain. Six Man of the Year. I thought they were going to call it the, uh, the, the Malcolm Brogdon. The Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, yeah. Rookie of the Year, Wilt Chamberlain. Six Man of the Year, John Havlicek. Most Improved Player, George Mikan. And the new. Clutch player of the year is the Jerry West Trophy. Any issues wasn't or he, any wasn't thoughts? Wasn't he like one and nine in the finals? <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> come on, <laughs> Mr. Clutch. Wasn't because of him. He won MVP as a loser. Amazing. I'm um, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. He was amazing. <laughs> What Honestly, do you think about the awards? You, you like you like the way they look. You like the names. Yeah, you know, did they have names? <laughs> Apparently, they I mean, did. I just, okay, but that's the and, thing. I I have never cared so, about the names. About so that's why I think I've got to come out on this, right? Like, I just know that like it's kind of crazy. I do know that the finals MVP was Russell, right? Because Bill would go out there and but give that, it to him. But that's a recent. But that's recent too. Like that's a new thing. Yeah, but I did know that. You know. Yeah. But yeah. Well, are they gonna have like Michael Jordan come out and hand out the MVP now? I don't think so. He's not gonna. Is he? That would be awesome. I'm not sure. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. He'd be, he'd be like always whispering to the guy, like, "You ain't shit." <laughs> if I can't have the trophy. I don't. I don't. Have, I'm not a designer. I, I don't have any particular thoughts on the look of the trophies. They look classy. They look nice. They'll look. They'll look great. You know, someday behind glass of their million dollar homes and all that. I just think it's weird. Why does the Jordan Trophy look so much different than all the others? Like that one was designed by somebody else than all the others. Um, it says Mark Smith designed the the Jordan Trophy and. Uh, Victor Solomon did all of the others, uh, it seems. It's a little strange why that one looks so much different than all of the others. That's all. Yeah, and obviously, look, I mean, I would be I would be upset if I was the uh if I was uh, Maurice Potaloff's family. That's Is that what the trophy was called? That before? was the MVP trophy. <laughs> he was the first commissioner. Did you know the MVP was the Maurice Potaloff Trophy? I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah. So six decades, in fact, it was named after Potaloff. <laughs> and we never knew. <laughs> New breaking news. 
The MVP trophy was named after Maurice Podoloff. There. It's kind of cool they're they're honoring the legend. I mean, I think it's important to remember NBA history. I mean, like so often, this is me included. I'm I'm often so focused on the present and what it means for the future when it comes to basketball. But it's nice to have a nod at the past with the players who built the game and made it into what it is today with respect to their to their roles and their contributions. Like even just calling it the, like the most improved being the Mike and Trophy. That's kind of cool. Everybody knows the Mike and Drill. Yep. Right. I mean, it's just got, it's just a nice nod to one to of the honor all these guys. Yeah. To keep their yeah, names for sure. relevant. Um, Absolutely. It's a, to cool a younger thing. generation. Um, no and current generation. And the other thing is, I can't wait until we get to the end of the year and we're doing our awards ballot show and we fight tooth and nail over the Jerry West Clutch Player of the Year Award. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think I think the NBA should make it a thing where they rename the trophies like every twenty five years, something like that, or every fifty years even. Yeah, like well, so maybe someday you know you know the there's another guy worthy of being the NBA most valuable player. So we name it after we name it after whoever. I I I, I it's gonna be pretty hard to beat Jordan for it's sure. Hard, I mean, maybe they keep right? maybe that name gets kept forever. Yeah, but I don't know. Oh, but they're gonna. I, 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 they're it's also, a nice nod to the past. And well, and look now. I mean, you know, they're gonna have to find one to name after LeBron, what, like biggest liar or something. Biggest liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll read the first page of his book. <laughs> one of my favorite clips was when uh, he was reading that book in the bubble. And and like Taylor Rooks asked him about oh, it. Oh gosh, <laughs> tough. Spot. And his eyes popped out of his head. He's like, oh, he was like a kid getting called on in the classroom. In, fa- in, fair- <laughs> in fairness, I'm that guy. I've I've read the first yeah. 25 pages of many books, but he it, yeah. no that meme that goes around where he's always on page one is hilarious. it is so funny. It so is funny. So good. This dude's been it's on amazing. page one for 15 years. Like, and, and you know, and you know that he knows about it because he knew he yeah. he admitted knowing about like the meme of him like predicting things in the future. Oh yeah, right. So he also knows about the book meme too. He's the kid, bro. That's King James. Somebody buy his ass a bookmark. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Lead him. Uh, let at least him, throw one in. Let throw one gotta, at least in the back. That's right. If you're gonna walk around with a book, you put it like three fourths of the way back. And then when people well, ask you, thing, hey, like, you like that book? You're like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he should at least lean into it and start walking into the to the arena with a book, with a bookmark, like, all the way towards the back. <laughs> it would be funny <laughs> if he just started going the other way. <laughs> it would be so good. So, that's the thing. Like, you should just lean into it. It's funny. It'd be like if it'd be like if Kyrie walked in with a dictionary. You remember when he told them that he, <laughs> he read the dictionary? Yeah, right. I know the dictionary. The dictionary. This guy is wild. You ever read the dictionary? Huh? You ever do that, Chris? No. You ever read the dictionary? No, I never have. Either. You've heard my vocabulary. No. no. Yeah, I, I'm, I make heavy use of the uh, thesaurus. Yeah. Me too. Thank God it's online. Yeah, Kevin is always. Well, you, a don't, you only write you, you you write once a year. You're uh, I don't you're like guys who don't, will not fail. 
I don't. I, look, remember I don't. When write, Danny, remember when Danny Chow who used to edit you used to make oh, you sound I, like a genius? There was this thing I just that guy had, had all the words. Yeah, there was this thing I just had to write for uh, the Ringer recently that they're doing that I sent in, and uh, oh yeah, that's coming and, out this week. And I sent it in, and Justin Verrier, the editor, sent it back, and I was thinking to myself like, that's not what I wrote, but like it's a hundred percent what I wish I wrote, and I guess that's what a great editor is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so funny. He took yeah. what I was trying to say and turned it into something totally readable. <laughs> that's the job, right? That's the job. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we we have a. I don't want to say what it is exactly, but the Ringer has a an NBA project coming out, I think late Tuesday or early Wednesday, but definitely this week that uh, I am ecstatic about. It's like something that we've, you know, flirted with for like four or five years now um, to see it, to, sort of, to see it now come to fruition and become a reality. I'm, I'm stoked about it. It's a fun project that's going to live on the site um, that I think NBA fans will really, really, really enjoy. And plus you can read a Chris Vernon note Oh, yeah, I, I wrote Rant. it completely. Justin Barrier yes. had nothing to do yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Chris is a co-author yeah. for a note. All the all the websites player. are yeah. going to be trying to hire yeah. him. Yes, all of them. <laughs> you know, you're going to start a sub-stack. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> oh, sub-stack. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you to Jesse Lopez, our producer as always. Kevin, I'll talk to you on Friday. Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.